0: Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. So let's bring her out. The star attraction, the one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Ms. Judy Gold.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, you know, it's funny because I I've wanted this guest on the podcast for a long time but I wanted to do it in person and now because there is a pandemic I'm not doing anything in person so ladies and gentlemen the one the only Emmy Peabody award winning also a fake doctor hilarious comedian musician legend Jonathan Katz is here everyone that's it for the audience Jonathan thank you a little bit okay Jonathan First of all, I just have to say to everyone here, a lot of people will know you from Dr. Katz, which was on Comedy Central, blah, blah, blah. But I knew you before Dr. Katz. I knew you as a, when I was starting out, as a very hilarious and well-respected, successful stand-up comedian. Where, Where did you start out? Did you start at the improv? I start. You started at the Improv, uh, right. In, right? In like the seventies, right?
0: No, no, in eighty one. In eighty one, that's right. Yeah, it was older than most people when they started.
1: Yeah, and I was at the Improv by like eighty five. But I was really, I was a catcherizing star. Right. Uh, that was the first club, so I did. You know, I did all three clubs. But yeah, I've always been a huge fan of yours. Now, Jonathan. Besides the fact that I've never been on Dr. Katz.
0: Wait, wait, I want to see how long it took you to bring that up. But I'm not yeah. going to watch. I'm just looking at So
1: that's see, that would be about, you know, two and a half minutes, three minutes. Please. And I have a lot of insecurities about that. Because, you know, there's certain shows you want to do uh, because, but that show, you know, it's an A-list show with an A-list doctor. You what did how, I do to you? you know just so many, I can get it out of the way. Yes.
0: You know how many people think I'm an actual actually a therapist?
1: Yes, I know.
0: Seven. <laughs> but Judith, do you remember the last time we saw each other? You were at a show. I think was it at in, in Newton? Yeah. And you came with Dana Friedman.
1: I did? Yeah. That's right.
0: Yeah. It was after my show. Why was Dana Friedman there? I don't know. Because she had become involved in my life for you. Right. For, with the help with your help. And Dana ran my did my my website for years. Yes. And did a wonderful job. And then I moved on. Yeah, and now Dana wants is a stand-up. It's so funny how
1: so many people work with stand-ups, but they really just want to be a stand-up. Yeah. Like Laura, my producer. Anyway, Jonathan, can we start? So we're not going to talk about the fact that you don't want me on your very successful show, even though I've been in therapy since I'm 18 years old and I'm very self aware, just letting you know. What's what
0: was your therapist's name?
1: My therapist, as you know, I have a joke about that. My therapist has the same name as my mother, Mommy. (laughs) <laughs> but she does have Ruth. Ruth Ruth was my mother's name, and Ruth is my therapist's name. Dr. Katz, we will get back to this topic that you're trying to avoid. So you were born uh, in New York. You, you, uh, you grew up in Bayside, Queens, correct? No. You went to Bayside High School.
0: Yeah, but I grew up in Sheepshead Bay.
1: Sheepshead Bay, same thing. They all have bays in them. Uh, you grew up in Sheepshead Bay. You're the son of... Hungarian immigrants from Budapest, is that correct? Just my dad, my mother was from Minsk. My your mother was from Minsk, okay. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you something now, which is another reason I should be on your show. My, my mother- not, Judy, my show is long gone. You're doing live versions now with big straws. Not if I can help it. Okay, Jonathan, Um, your I am half Hungarian, and half Polish hold me. <laughs>
0: um,
1: my family's from Budapest. So, um, which is why we look exactly
0: alike. I, my my I have, I have a cousin Pichu in Budapest. He actually was my dad's cousin. He's probably dead. Yeah. But, but that's my only reason for going. And my, and my daughter Miranda went to Budapest. Really? Your daughter Miranda? Yeah. Just, she took a tour of Europe by herself. When she was about twenty-four years old. No way. Yeah. Um, she just went to
1: Europe by herself at twenty-four. Yeah. I love people like that. Do that. I it was so brave. Yeah. How? how like alone. Like yeah. I want to be able to turn to someone and say, like, should we do this? Should we do that? Uh, where are we going today? What are we eating? Yeah. I the people who travel alone. I find them to be fascinating. My sister did that, too. But I, I just, don't you think that's a little very adult and... Oh, yeah. Yeah, and brave. brave. Yeah, you're right. It's brave.
0: She's now 29 years old, but my other daughter, Julia... Yeah. 38, and she has two children, who, are oddly enough, are my grandchildren. What? Yeah. I have two grandchildren. Oh, you're so old. I'm 74 years old.
1: I know. You're 74 so- years... You look good. You look exactly the same, actually. You just have a little gray on the side here.
0: Well, when you lose your hair when you're 16, is that true? Well, maybe closer to 18.
1: So your father's name was Sydney.
0: Yeah.
1: What was your mother's name? I couldn't find it anywhere.
0: My mother's name was Julia. And if you want to learn about my parents, you have to go on the FBI's website because they were both
1: communists. Yeah. Oh my God, they were Jewish communists? Yep. And so, what was that like? Like, and you had a sister, right? You
0: grew sister, up with a sister. She's still alive, my sister, Phyllis. She yeah. She in Puerto Rico. Did she marry a Jew? She did, but then she divorced that Jew and married Jose Montalvo.
1: Okay. And sh- did she have kids with the Jew or with Montalvo?
0: Montalvo. Wow. Thank God, you know.
1: Thank God Julie and Sydney aren't here for the uh, non-Jewish gr- great-grandchildren. Or grandchildren? Grandchildren. Yeah. Okay, so Jonathan.
0: No, great-grandchildren. It'll be their great-grandchildren. Oh, right, that's right.
1: Yeah. You're, okay, so. You two kids, right? Two... I have two kids, Henry and Ben. Who'd like better? Who do I like better? Hmm. You know, it changes. Yeah. They yeah. both get on my nerves equally and I both love them, but you know, they definitely switch which one that's good. Don't you think, you know, cause most people won't admit that like, you know, certain days I like one more than the other.
0: You're not allowed to have a favorite child, but I think you're allowed to have a favorite grandchild. You are? Yeah. As, as long as you don't tell the, the other kid or their parents. Right. So you have a favorite grandchild. You
1: no, know. which one? Oh, no, <laughs> You
0: are outrageous, young lady.
1: I know. I'm really edgy today, Jonathan. I do. I love to talk about people's childhoods. So, I
0: really want to know. You were born in 1940. Well, 19... oh, what? Go ahead. I was going to say this is the thing that sort of defined my childhood. My sister is two and a half years older than me. Right. And when I was born, she asked my parents if she could have a stick to hit me with. And they said yes. Is that true? Yes, it's true. I don't know if I believe you. No, it's true. And I I have documents to back it up from my Uncle Abe. Uh Uh-huh. From my Uncle Sam. But, you know, and for many years, we did not get along. Well, as little kids, we got along beautifully. And then us right. do not get along. And now we talk almost daily. She's I'm 74 and she's 76 and a half. Right. And we talk almost daily.
1: Did you fight, like physically fight a lot?
0: I think she tried to stab me. Oh no, I tried to stab her with a letter opener.
1: It sounds like such a happy
0: home that you no. grew up yeah. in. Well, you know, I was all, I was always into her friends.
1: Right. Um, well, I you're see. the youngest. I was yeah. like that. I thought my sister and brother's friends were cool. And then I realized they're both really nerdy. And I, they were, yeah,
0: I totally. Plus you're a boy.
1: So you were it, it straight.
0: Crazy. Uh, was, it drove her nuts. I even wanted to stay up until midnight on New Year's Eve. To okay. Hang her, with her and Rita. Who's Rita? Rudner? No, no, Rita was my sister's best friend when she was a kid.
1: Um, I'm going to tell you a story about New Year's Eve. This is how, what my brother and sister did to me New Year's Eve. Okay. Cause I'm the youngest. So my parents would always go out for, di- you know, a, to a friends for a dinner party on New Year's Eve. And then they'd leave us at home, my brother and my sister, and myself at home with like a shitload of candy. Like it was like all the shit we weren't allowed to eat. So one day, so I'm the youngest and, um, we're sitting on the couch and I think it was about 10 o'clock and they're like, Happy New Year! Happy New Year! And I'm like, wait, what's going on? I thought the ball, they're not doing the ball this year. Good night. Good night. And so they put me upstairs and put me to bed. And about midnight, I I wake up to screaming and yelling because they fucking lied to me. And that's the story of my childhood.
0: Oh, Jesus. It's I know. So well, next week, let's let's pick up next week where we left off this week. No,
1: doctor, I need to talk about. So, um, would your, were your parents sort of hidden communists, or was? Well, they, would, did you grow up in an enclave of?
0: You know. No, we we moved a lot, and my sister and I never understood it. We lived eight different places in New York City. No way. Yeah, and my parents are both um, indicted by the. By the House on American Activities Committee. No way. No. How old were you? I I think the first time I turned them in, I was Hey now. Whoa. I, I was about 10 and my sister was about 12. And it really didn't sink on me until I was an adult. how traumatic traumatic it must have been. So did they go to they
1: didn't go to jail, did they? No, well, they took the fifth. Did, who else did they, were you surrounded by, you know, people who were, you know, part of this?
0: The only thing I can tell you is that anybody who describes it as a party is lying to you. Right. There's no fun involved.
1: Okay, why do you think, when you hear politicians today talk about like, you know, the, the Democrats are communists, like that must totally
0: push your buttons. It's so fucking crazy, Judy. The, the, the Republicans they just it would take much more for them. They have to do much more to get me right. involved emotionally.
1: I don't know. I mean, do you distrust the government? I mean, are you do you feel that your politics are completely just because of the way you grew up that that, that you have different political
0: views than no. No, I I I was not interested in politics at Mm -hmm. all growing up. I I went to Goddard College. Yep. With David Mamet. I was interested in sex and drugs, and rock and roll. I'm sorry for that. Right. And I and some nights I would skip the rock and roll. Did you? Were you popular in high school? I had one friend in high school, and I'm not sure he liked me.
1: Oh, I know. I know. Wait, I I read this. Hold on. You had a... That you stood at the bus with. You you would get on the bus with him.
0: Yeah, Alfonso Grimes.
1: Yeah, I have that written down. Alfonso Grimes. And you took the bus together.
0: He became a track star. No way. Yeah. A really, like, nationally competitive track star.
1: And now where is he?
0: At the bus stop. Waiting for you. Yeah. <laughs> so you really were a loner? You were just a loner? Well, I had another life uh, totally separate from high school. Was we, When we lived in Queens or in two places in Queens at different times, um, I would take the Long Island Railroad into Manhattan and go to 96th and Broadway, mm-hmm. where I would go to Marty Reesman's Table Tennis Club.
1: That's right. And in 1964, you were the New York State ping pong champion.
0: Yeah. But Marty reisman the first time I went there, I took the bus cross town. We were living at 90, uh, 90th, 90th and Lex at the time. I mm-hmm. took the cross town bus, and I went there with my mom, also named Julia. Marty Reisman hustled me. He played, insisted on playing me for money. I used the ping pong racket, and he used a chess piece. And he won. No way. What chess piece? I think it was the bishop because they can move diagonally.
1: Right. Hey, everyone. You know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which, yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids and dot com slash Judy Gold50. 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D fifty five zero Okay. Judy Gold50. And use code J U D Y G O L D 50. Judy Gold50 to get 50% off. That's code judygold Gold50 at factormeals.com slash Judy Gold50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. So you were basically a loner who played ping pong and music.
0: Right. It took violin lessons.
1: With like a famous violinist
0: or just at school oh, or. No, she, she was a, a well-known viol- viola player. Mm-hmm. I I couldn't, I could not produce a good vibrato. Right. And her name was Charlotte Rosen. And she would shake me and she'd say, vibrate, vibrate. Um, <laughs> And I don't do impressions.
1: Um, and she'd say vibrate and you're sure she wasn't a lesbian. Good night, everybody. God, how funny.
0: My, my in-laws are, are Orthodox Jews. They, they have two satellite dishes. Right. I don't get to tell that joke often.
1: Right, I have jokes. I also have jokes that only Jews would get. You know yeah. what I mean? I love that I can do different material for the Jews. Like I just thought of a joke uh, the other day that I haven't finished, but something about the fact that I have a friend who's non-binary and for the Jews in the audience, that's also known as
0: parv. Thank you. That's That's good. You like it? Yeah, I do. Do you write jokes down? I have a notebook. And
1: I write, I either record them or I write them down. And then I bring them on stage and I uh, try to talk them through. But you, can I say something? First of all, can I, you, you are a
0: joke writer. You are a. I don't write them down. I write down the bullet points. That's what I, yeah. yeah. And then 30 years from now, from then, it means nothing. That is the same um, I go through my old notebooks and
1: I'm like, wait, what is that joke about? And it's really annoying. Yeah. But Joan, Joan Rivers, of course, had an entire catalog with each joke written down.
0: Um, but I'm not, I don't have that brain. And Robert Klein. Was, Robert, same? Yeah, he on a computer. He was the most organized com- comedian ever.
1: Wow. I got to do that. Except I probably kill myself in the process. you went to Goddard, which is sort of it was a newer college, right? When you went, don't you think it's only it was only thirty something years old. Yeah. but you could actually get credit
0: for taking drugs there.
1: What was it like? Sorry. it was it was it like a Hampshire? What was it like?
0: yeah it, it was it was like Hampshire, but not as not as uh, academically oriented as Hampshire is. So. My mother went to Hampshire. Uh-huh. And she loved it there because she knew she went there with a plan. I went to Goddard with no plan. I went there with my ping pong racket and a doctor's bag.
1: And, and look at you now.
0: And some clothes.
1: Did your sister go to college? She also went to Goddard. Had, is, was it a place for communists? What what I don't
0: know. I started I started at New Paltz. Right, SUNY. And I hated it, with the exception of Susan Feinblum, who was my first girlfriend. Mm, Susan! Yeah. But I was afraid to kiss her because it seemed sanitary. I wouldn't, even share, I wouldn't even share a soda with her. And then I shared everything with her, and it was wonderful.
1: Oh, my God. You're out of your mind. Yeah. Did, did you do well? I mean, were you academically in high school? Did you do well?
0: Not particularly. I did. I did well at New polls in music theater. Theory. Right. Music. But the only thing I really did well, I'd fall asleep during the history of Western civilization.
1: Right. Well, understandable. Yeah. Were you bar mitzvahed?
0: Yes, twice. No, no, just once.
1: Were, was your sister
0: bar mitzvahed? No. Hmm. I, my wife was, and I have recordings of both my wife and myself. Her bot mitzvah and my bar mitzvah. Wait, she was bat mitzvah at a young age or as an adult? At, no, no, at, at thirteen.
1: Okay, you know some of them get bat mitzvah later.
0: Yeah, my um, wife is nine years younger than me. She is. Yes. Wow, you really robbed a cradle. Yeah, and every one of my all and my daughters are nine years apart. And we are in fact the nine table Judy. Really? Every nine years we're nine years apart. That's so weird. Yeah, like what like when I'm when my daughter's well the last time it happened was when I was seventy-two mm-hmm. and my daughter Julia was thirty-seven. My other daughter, Mandy, was twenty-eight. No, that's not, a, that's not an angel number. So this is
1: very exciting. I, I'm going to get more listeners from this conversation right now. Yes. Um, okay. So you met David Mamet at Goddard College, correct? Yes. Jewish. Um,
0: and did you write together there? No. he We just cracked each other up so much. He's an incredibly funny guy. He did write a play there called mm-hmm. Camel. Mm-hmm. And I was one of the actors. A series of blackouts, which we did in a, pay, in a basement of one of the dorms. But what was unusual is he charged people 50 cents to get in. Because he wanted to pay the actors.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. And yeah. how much money did you get? A couple dollars? I don't remember. Oh. And this was his first play. Yes. Did you know he was going to
0: be this amazing playwright? No. In fact, when it happened, I felt like I was, uh, I wasn't sure I was willing to share my best friend with the public. Mm-hmm. Every time we had a play opening on Broadway, beginning with American Buffalo, he and I would go to Queens to wait for the reviews. I don't know why. You'd go to Queens and wait to get the paper.
1: Yeah, just some diner. We'd hang out in some diner. So he did did read reviews. He does read reviews, which is... Well, I mean, the only one that really matters is the New York Times. Yeah. Which is so sad, don't you think? It is sad. Yeah.
0: Um, But... They have so much power. One night after... uh, I think it was after Gary Glenn Ross opened... He had a party at Sardis with Robert Duval, mm-hmm. uh, Tuesday World. Wow. Maybe Mike Nichols and Elaine and Mike Nichols and Elaine May were there, but a very star-studded table Right. and me. So the waiter came with the check. I was the only one who was was not a famous actor. Right. So he gave me the check. And I'm in all of a sudden the position of saying, So Tuesday, you had the the real piccata. Am I right? right? Did you have any any signs? Terrible. (laughs) What did you you do with the (laughs) check? That's so funny. Well, everybody had left, and I'm just sitting there with the waiter and just trying to figure it out. I had no money on me. Right, right. So David came back and said, uh, Put it on my tab.
1: Wow, that is fucking crazy. Um, You you graduate college. You have a band called Cats and the Jammers. It's an R&B group. Cats and Jammers. Cats and, oh, right, and Jammers. Sorry. (laughs) I'm a little nervous. You know you are a doctor. And um, you also co-wrote House of Games and Things Change with David Mamet. No? Nope. Nope. Or you were in Things Change. And you right. co co wrote House House of Games, correct?
0: I've got, got a story credit on on House of Games. Didn't I live the life of the characters in House of Games? But when he was writing House of Games, I got him coffee essentially. So he and you got a, a story credit. He was a very generous credit. Got me into the Writers Guild. But, you know, that's very unusual because there's so many people who can't,
1: who will not, that I, you know, I've worked in the business a long time and I've written for people, and there's so many people who are not like that. And it's like they have to take credit for everything. So it's a rare breed, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. You uh, not only were the New York State ping pong chairman, which, by the way, we had a, is that a Jewish thing, the ping pong? Because we had a ping pong table in our basement. And that was like our one form of exercise too
0: in our house. Well, I'll tell you, during the 1930s, the world of table tennis was dominated by Hungarian Jews. Is that so, true? Yes, I think it might. It might have been a Jewish game in New York. You know who was a good player was Uncle Dirty. Was a good ping Oh,
1: Uncle Dirty! I loved him.
0: Do your audience, will your audience know who that is?
1: <laughs> now. These are people that at the that were at the New York Improv. Uncle Dirty was such a the characters. I loved that place, and I was just like I was in my early twenties, um, and I got to see some of the greatest comics
0: yeah, and I perform. Was my, I was in my late thirties while you were in your early twenties.
1: You know I love my liquid IV, that I drink liquid IV pretty much every day. And I love it because it keeps me hydrated. I travel with it because it's in little packets. It tastes great. It's an amazing product. It hydrates better than water alone. Three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drinks. Eight vitamins and nutrients, non-GMO. But here's the best part. You know I've been bragging about Ben My son, Ben, who plays basketball, his team, his entire team, they love Liquid IV. I mean, they are number four in the nation. They are an amazing team. They've done better than ever this year. Dare I say it's because of the Liquid IV? I'm not going to say for sure, but I'm telling you, these athletes love Liquid IV. They love all the flavors, strawberry, lemonade. I love the watermelon. I never give them any. Of my watermelon, they have sugar-free, white peach, green grape, lemon, lime. It makes you feel great, and if you need a little caffeine, the the uh, lemon ginger is beyond beyond. And I know they use it while they're working out. I'm pretty sure they might use it after a game that they won and went out and had you know a couple of drinky poots. But that being said, I love Liquid IV. They're a great sponsor. They're a great product. And I honestly couldn't live without them. And it's winter still. You need to be hydrated. Hydration is very important. So weekends are for going wild, as you all know. Have a game plan for Monday. That's what you need. I just had this conversation with Ben's girlfriend. I said, if you're going to go out and party, you need a game plan. And what's your game plan? Liquid IV. Weekend's or for going wild, have a game plan for Monday with Liquid IV. Grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code JudyGold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Superior Hydration today using promo code JudyGold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at liquidiv.com. You're welcome. You hitchhiked to California with your cousin Paul. 1963. Okay. I was uh, not even one yet. But so you're hitchhiking.
0: Right. Right. And we went to the Grand Canyon. But in 1963, the only way to get down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon was you had to go down on a mule.
1: Yeah. And you, did it hurt your throat?
0: So, um... <laughs> I wish I had a tag. I need a even tag there because it's such a dirty joke. You, yeah, but you could say you had to go down on a mule. He enjoyed it. He enjoyed it, maybe.
1: Yeah, I would say something like that. Or, you know, I couldn't talk for three, whatever. Can you talk... Because a lot of people who listen to this would never even think, like... Hitchhiking across the country during the sixties was like, it wasn't like your parents were like, Oh my God, you know, people hitchhiked and they could get in cars and not feel like the person's going to take out a rifle and kill them. Is that correct? Dude, this is long
0: before they invented perverts.
1: Right. Cause yeah. John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. But it was a thing of that period of time, right? Where you could just, you would just hitchhike, with a destination and get out of a car. What was that like?
0: I can tell you what my goal was. I, I wanted to find out if women in different cities or different away from New York found me attractive. Is that true? Yeah. And especially California. I was I was hoping that girls in California would find me attractive.
1: God, you're very simple. They didn't, by the way. What was shocking. Now, did you, how would it work? You would get in the car and say, where are you going? Yeah. Can you drop us off blank? Like, had it? like, can you just, I think it's fascinating.
0: Well, we get picked well, one time we were, pit, we, was, we were waiting for six hours for a ride. Uh-huh. The On the side who, of the road. Yeah. And the guy who picked us up said, you know, you're standing across the road from a state penitentiary. <laughs> Um, But most of the times we we would just have normal families, a couple with kids.
1: Right. And they'd say, get in. Yeah. Where where are you headed?
0: We're heading to California, but we'll we'll take you, we'll go as far west as you can take us. Where would you sleep and stuff? One night we slept in jail. No Um, way. Because the police thought we would be safer sleeping in jail than on the streets of this particular town.
1: And you, how long did it take you to get all the way across country?
0: I don't know, three months. No, it didn't. Did it really? Yeah. Three months? That seemed like a long time. Yes. Okay, then two months. Judy, the truth, I have nothing against the truth, but it's not the first thing that occurs to me.
1: Yeah. I noticed that you really like, what do you think that is psychologically that you like to sort
0: of my wife has discovered that after 40 years of marriage, that a lot of the things I have told her are not true. Like I never had dinner with Jackie Robinson. Did not come to our home for dinner? And does she get mad at you?
1: Yeah. Do you think that you have an, a, a compulsive lying issue? I would say I have a compulsive lying gift. And do you get off on people believing your lies and going with them? Because it's a game, right? Yeah, it's
0: not unlike telling a joke.
1: Right. But it's annoying. Yeah. For the other person, because they believe you, and then you're like, oh. So did you not hit?" I, I never revealed
0: the, the lie to people in that decade.
1: Do you feel like you're daughters are suffering emotionally because of your compulsive lying. No, really. I just think that hitchhiking across the United States is something that our kids, my kids will never experience that that was a, you know, a, a thing that happened that will never happen again because we can't, we don't even trust. Do you, I mean, I don't trust
0: anyone. But have you ever spent time in a place like Martha's Vineyard? Yeah. I mean, I'm in Provincetown right now. Would you would you let your kids hitchhike around Provincetown?
1: Yeah, of course. No. Well, but you wouldn't do it through the entire country. Right. Were you afraid? Were you afraid, oh, we're Jews or anything like that?
0: Yeah, I was afraid that the fact that we were Jews could get us in trouble. Really? Or the fact that we were New Yorkers. Right. So.
1: Well, you know, there is that, you know, people are always like, oh, you're so New York, which really means you're too, you're so Jewish. But right. you are, you end up being Robin Williams musical supervisor. What was it? You were his uh, his musical director. Did he, what did he do music
0: wise? This is what happened. He His first wife. Valerie Velarde was an ex girlfriend of mine from Goddard. Really? Yeah. And that was your one non Jewish girlfriend? No. Mostly. Okay. But um, she played him a couple of my songs and she said, You should do these on your tour. And one was called Born to be Punished, which he did. Another one was a song I wrote with David Mamet called This Heart is Closed for Alterations.
1: So I didn't, I had no idea he sang during his.
0: He was awful. Yeah. I've heard you say that, that before. Yeah, but he also was, he, he would do funny things. He turned into comedy, the songs. Right. And one song he did on Broken and Mindy. That, yes, I read that. Which probably was good. De Niro for you. Oh, yeah, if you consider two dollars and 80 cents good.
1: I th- the, I thought the music, you, you know, ASCAP paid a lot of
0: money, but I guess I'm wrong. You know, for a couple of years maybe, but now we get these tiny checks. Oh, please. Well, I had a one cent check the
1: other day, one cent. I forgot what, who it was from, it's upstairs. I'm gonna um frame it. Uh, you know, Gilbert has a one cent check in his bathroom, like <laughs> framed,
0: a, a residual. But I just want to ask you one thing about yeah. Gilbert. Have you heard his impression of Jay Leno? No. I'm probably, but yeah. It's so wonderful. I love Gilbert. Yeah.
1: How did you get into stand-up comedy?
0: Well, I think I got interested in it because Robin's opening act were very funny. Who were they? The act called Rick and Ruby. Mm-hmm. Did you travel with, with him?
1: Yeah. For a year. Okay. And you played and blah, blah, blah.
0: Yeah. And did you become very close with him or? We became good friends. And, and he became a father around the same time I did. Mm-hmm. He was afraid if his son wore a, a shirt that was too girly, bad things could happen. Is that true? Yeah.
1: I can't I believe a fucking thing you say.
0: Well, because I've disqualified myself as a truth teller. Right. Well, that part—that thing is actually true. But
1: Wow. That's interesting. Did you I know did. he was
0: depressed? Yeah, I did. But mm-hmm. I'm you, the, biggest, the biggest laugh I've ever gotten in comedy was at Catcher Rising Star when it said, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Robin Williams. Not laugh, I mean applause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a wave.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty. I remember hanging out there and I got to see the greatest comedians work. The greatest. So had it, so you realized that they, and you where, did you come back to New York and start doing stand-up? Or were you doing
0: jokes while you were on stage with Robin? No, no. When I was with Robin, I was just trying not to fall off my stool. Right. Because I was so nervous and so sweaty. Right. I had, I didn't have any lines. I sang harmony and I played acoustic guitar.
1: Right. And then when did you do your first stand-up set? And what did your wife say? In 1981. Right. And was it at the improv? Yeah. Did you stand on line? Because or, or, you, know, you used to have to stand on line. Or you had to pick a number in the morning, right? You you would stand on line to pick a number and then you could... I didn't go through that. I don't know. Somehow...
0: Maybe, maybe Dom helped me bypass that, that thing. Right. And Silver was a big fan of mine. Yeah. After the first set. I mean, Silver Friedman once said to me, Jonathan, that's strike two. Why? Because Robert Klein was preparing for, for a special. Right. And I don't know if you remember, I used to go on stage with a tape recorder. Yes. Controller for my guitar. Right. But I forgot to turn it off. So the noise was distracting him. I never Uh, found out what Strike One was. uh, We we can call her and find out. Yeah.
1: I started doing stand up in 82 uh, when I was in college. And then I would come to New York uh, to try to get on on Monday nights at Catch Rising Star. I remember you, and I remember watching your friend who I thought was brilliant, Ronnie Shakes. And to this day, I tell comedians to watch Ronnie Shakes, um, to go look him up. I tell them to go look up Margaret
0: Smith. Oh, she was wonderful. Yeah. Um, but Ronnie would go on stage with the clipboard, and if a joke didn't work, he tried the same joke. No, he tried it again with a different punchline, and then he would cross it off. I remember
1: that. Yeah. He was really a workhorse. Yeah. And he died jogging on a fucking shitty comedy gig. Right. I mean, isn't that the worst way to die? You go out for a jog, you're working at some fucking shitty comedy club in Ohio, you go out for a jog and dead. I mean, do you still keep in touch with his wife? I remember her. She did stand up for a while too.
0: Sue Larson. Sue Susie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. At one point, I wanted to turn his act into a um, a franchise, and right. I wanted to call it an evening without Ronnie Shakes. Like, and one night, oh. it would be, one night it would be Gilbert portraying Ronnie because he, right. he we were good friends. So you, Gilbert, and Ronnie were sort of a friend group. I, I don't think Ronnie particularly liked me. I mean. He, He was more in the Alfonso Graham School. Right. I don't don't think he disliked me, but I think we worked together once in Boston, and it was fun, but we didn't hang out or anything. He was brilliant. Did you get on Letterman before The Tonight Show? Yeah, 1985.
1: So within four years, you're doing your first late night set, which is really pretty incredible, don't you think?
0: Well now that you mention
1: I mean it usually takes people like 10, 15 years.
0: Yeah, I did have to put my guitar aside. Bob Morton said if you want to go on the show, you have to you can't use a guitar. Dave doesn't like guitar acts.
1: Did you know David Letterman before
0: you went on? No. A lot of these no. no. He loved you. I met him the first time I went on, and I never saw him again except on stage. That was it. Yeah.
1: Um, And you ended up doing seven? Seven or eight Letterman's or? Nine. Nine. Okay, I was close. You know, seven, eight, nine. And now nine's gone. Um, But you love nine. You love the number nine. Well, the nine, did you do Letterman? Never did Letterman. Did the Tonight Show. I I think I'm too loud and energetic for Letterman. He liked very... Settle. Great. Thank you so much for listening to part one of Kill Me Now with Jonathan Katz. Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling. This podcast would not be possible without the help and dedication of Brittany Joe Sowards. Please subscribe. Please leave a review. Five stars. That's it. Five stars. Like I'm an Uber driver. Okay? Buy my book. Yes, I can say that when they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. Download my CDs, do whatever. Just bring me into your life more. That's all you need to do to be happy. Also, check out judygold.com. That's judygold.com. And you will see uh, links to buy my book. You will see where I'm performing because I'm going to be performing in Provincetown all summer long. But I also have a gig in Atlanta. So check that out. And you can follow me on Tweetar and Instagram for every, all my thoughts, all my innermost thoughts, upcoming live and virtual. I don't think we're doing virtual events anymore. I mean, I hope not. I mean, I kind of didn't hate them, but I kind of did hate them. So whatever. You can follow me at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D. You know, like Jew, Gold, because I'm a Jew. Uh, That's on Tweetar and Instagram. And again, thank you so much for listening. If you haven't been vaccinated, please get vaccinated. Seriously. What the fuck? Also, happy Pride. Happy Pride, everyone. I am a proud Jew and a proud Lizzie. So there you go. All right. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Be well. And as we always say, so long. G-g-g-g-g-g-g.
0: Don't forget to tune in next week to Just Kill Me Now. Um, or, let's Just Kill Me oh. Don't forget to turn. Uh. For part two on Just Kill Me. No, it's not. It's Just, <laughs> just Kill Me. Now. No, no. Judy no. Gold's Just Kill just. Me. Just. Just kill Me Now. Kill Me Now.